0: I remember years ago um, when I taught the junior high class for a season. (laughs) That'll toughen you right up. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Good years. Good, good years. The junior high years. Of course, when we were all junior high, we were no problem. We didn't know everything. We were good, behaving little kids. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, you're all a bunch of liars. We knew it all, right? You know, what's one thing that I find amazing as I'm, as I'm getting older now, that time, at the time, I, I'm always just amazed at how fast time goes by now. The older you get, the quicker it goes. And, and one other thing that I've recognized as I get older is, you know what, I don't know anything. <laughs> Isn't it amazing when you're younger, time doesn't go as fast, and you know Everything. And as time goes by, it goes by quicker, and you realize that you know absolutely nothing. It's interesting how things change as you, as you mature. So as we, as we begin our time this morning, I just want to quickly mention a, a thank you out to Jeff Irving. He was here last year from Broken Arrow Ranch, a missionary. Uh, you know, we don't bring missionaries in as often as I like, but I, I felt led to have him in. And I was really... Uh, um, I was really encouraged to hear, you know, what he had to say, what God's doing down in New Mexico, and hopefully you guys were as well. And I just want to thank him for coming. And if you weren't here, you can catch his his message, his presentation on our Facebook page, as you can catch all of our messages um, on that page. If if you didn't know that, you can go there. It's being recorded right now, live. Hi, Mother. So there, there you go. <laughs> this morning we're going to be reading from First Kings chapter. 10. We're going to continue in that as we make our way through through this book found in the Old Testament of our, of our Bibles. I've entitled this study, uh, A Country in Chaos. A country in chaos. That is the, the country of Israel, their history, and how it might parallel, and how it definitely how it will parallel uh, to our own country as we go through this book. So far, it's been relatively uh, not too chaotic. We've seen a coup attempt. We've seen uh, a brother rise against brother. We've seen King David die. We've seen Solomon have to deal with some uh, leadership issues that his dad didn't deal with. So there's been some chaos going on, but uh, it's about to get uh, um, more chaotic. And uh, the timing of it um, is interesting, but we'll talk more about that as we go. But this morning we're going to be in First Kings chapter 10. Let me begin our time this morning with this story. There was a, there was a man, he was a soap maker. He, he manufactured uh, a soap and, and uh, he had his friend who was a pastor. One day they decided to go on a walk together and they're walking down a street of this, of this big city. And the, the soap maker, this man, he casually said to the pastor, he said, the gospel you preach hasn't done much good, has it? Just look, there is still a lot of wickedness in this world and a lot of wicked people too. And the pastor, the wise pastor that he was, he, he made no reply until they, paused, uh, until they passed a, a dirty little child making mud pies in the gutter. Seizing the opportunity like a good pastor does, the pastor said, I see that soap hasn't done much good in the world, for there is much dirt and many dirty people around. And the soap maker, he replied, oh, oh, well, soap is only useful when it is applied. And the pastor said, exactly, so it is with the gospel. So it is with the gospel. And my hope, my hope and prayer today and every day is that each of us will turn to God's living word and be ready and willing to apply it to our own lives. Can I get a big amen? Amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful church fellowship, this loving church fellowship in God, I'm so thankful that they are here today and those that are watching, God. But we come to encounter you, not to in- encounter Pastor J or the worship team. They, they, are, they and we, Lord, are instruments to lead your people into a deeper relationship with you. So, God, I pray that you would just use my words, use my... Uh, um, My lips, Lord, this message that you put upon my heart as we turn to this, the living, breathing word of God for application, challenge each and every one of us, open our hearts, Lord, to receive from the Holy Spirit today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Kings chapter 10, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 13. Verses 14 through 29, you can read later. It speaks of Solomon, King Solomon. It speaks of his splendor. It goes into detail of his riches and all of his splendor. And you uh, you can read more of that later, but just know it's there because it ties into what we're going to read about here in the first 13 verses. It starts out. When the queen of Sheba, everybody say Sheba. It's a fun word to say, right? When the queen of of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Now, how many of you as believers have ever had family and friends come to test you with some hard questions about your faith? So this is, this is kind of an understanding uh, little, little thing that's about to happen as she comes to ask some hard questions. Verse 2. Arriving at Jerusalem... With a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold, and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. She brought a lot of pallets of good stuff, right? Pallets of love bringing with her. Uh, with Obviously, she doesn't have semis, right? She has a caravan. She's bringing a great many uh, rows and rows of camels, this great, huge uh Things she's going to be bringing and presenting to King Solomon in just a minute. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. Why is that? Because King Solomon, remember a few chapters back, asked for God to give him great wisdom. So he has this great wisdom that God has given him. Verse 4, when the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom... Of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on, on his table, the seating of his officials, the, the attending servants in, his, in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. Everybody say overwhelmed. overwhelmed. Verse 6. She said to the king, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your men must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold. Large quantities of spices and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in all those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Hiram's ships brought gold from Ophir, and from there they brought great cargoes of Almagwood and precious stones. The king used the Almagwood to make supports for the temple of the Lord and for the royal palace, and to make harps and lyres for the uh, musicians. So much, so much Alma wood has never been imported or seen since that day. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired and asked for, besides what he had given her out of his royal bounty. Then she left and returned with her uh, Reanu, which is a group of advisors and assistants to her, to her own country. Isn't that a great story? I mean, you, you, you read stories like this in the Bible, and, and, and you're like, what, what is the point? Other than it's just a great story, you read it, and, and you wonder, okay, well, some, some uh, queen came and visited uh, Solomon, asked some questions, and she left. All right, uh, let's move on. And then you read about his splendor. But but let me start, uh, let me just say, let me ask the obvious questions now that we read these verses. And, the, and there's two that I think are, are the main takeaways as I read this. I thought I was going to be talking more about Solomon's splendor, but the Lord really kept me focused on these verses. And here's the two questions that I took out of it that I that I believe we need to answer this morning so we can apply. And the first one is, who, who is Queen Sheba and why should we care that she even came to see King Solomon? She's not a Jew, right? She's a Gentile. And why should it even matter? So who is, who is Queen Sheba? And the next question is, And what does this story have to offer us as born-again disciples of Jesus? Understand, every verse in the Bible offers us something as born-again disciples of Jesus. It truly does. It truly, truly does. So let's start with the first question. Who was Queen Sheba? I have to admit to you, I've never studied this. I've never looked in to actually read and understand who Queen Sheba is. And it, I thought it was really quite interesting uh, and um, kind of fun to, to understand more about who she is. According to the to the Jewish and Islamic tradition, she was the ruler of the kingdom of, of Saba or Sheba. And it's this is an area that is southwestern Arabia, which we would say is modern day Ethiopia and Yemen. And these two countries sit at the beginning of the Red Sea, one on either side of it, that led up the Red Sea leads up from this opening all the way up to Egypt and Israel. Okay that's very important and she's the queen from from this region and Being the queen from that region and it's on a major trade route, she would have heard about King Solomon because it's right along a major trade route. That's important to understand. It was where she would have heard about his wisdom and his splendor and all the things that are going on. So that's kind of places her. Now there's a lot of different views about who Queen Sheba really was though. It's kind of fun to study this out. The Talmud, which is a collection of rabbi notes taken from oral traditions. this Talmud, it casts her as nothing more than a witch who came to seduce King Solomon. Some Jewish legends say, this is really interesting, some Jewish legends say the gift that in verse 13 that says she had every, he gave her everything she desired and asked for. Some traditions say that this was a son. That she saw how, how much wisdom and wealth and splendor he was that she asked him uh, to impregnate her to have a son so she could take this with her. Some believe that is what she actually, actually asked for, but most believe the queen was simply an active ruler who went on a, on a big journey to satisfy her curiosity and negotiate some trade agree, agreements with this wealthy kingdom, right? They have all this wealth. They're trading from all over the world. I want in on it, right? That makes a lot of sense. Now, the reason for her visit may be open for different interpretations, okay? You can probably come up with a few others. But one thing we do know from what we read is why she decided to visit. Why she decided to visit. Are you ready to know why? Are you are you ready to know why? Now, I've been studying this all week. You know, and I have, I have, a lot of uh, books, a lot of training that, that I've done, and you know, and I I dove deep into the theological reason of why she came. Do you want to know what it is? It's pretty deep. You know me. You know I'm about to bring some very enlightening, deep reason of why she came to visit. Are you ready? Are you sitting on the edge of your seat? She heard some things. That's what the, the scripture just told us, didn't it? She heard. She heard some things. Amen. She heard some things. In verse 1, it said, she heard about the fame, the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord. Amen. In verse six, 6, it said, she heard about his achievements, wisdom, and wealth. So she heard some things. And because she heard some things, she decided to leave her region, her place, and pack up a whole bunch of stuff and go see if it was true. She's the queen. She didn't have to go, but she heard some things and she wanted to find out if what she had heard was true. So because she heard some things, she decided to travel and see if what she uh, heard was true. And she found out, of course, that they were true. And even greater than she had heard. And the Bible says she was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Now, she's a queen. Can you imagine how, uh, if anything, could really overwhelm a queen that uh, presumably has everything? Look at how much she brought him. So she has a lot of wealth. She probably has a great palace herself, right? She has all these things, and what she saw overwhelmed her. That's pretty significant. So that's who she is, different uh, beliefs of why she really went. But we, we do know she heard some things and she was overwhelmed. So now on to the second question this morning. What does this story have to do, uh, have to offer us as born again disciples of Jesus? What does it have to offer us? The answer to this question really comes in another question. As born-again disciples of Jesus, what do people hear about you? What do people hear about you? This is what this story offers each of us today. An evaluation of what we are projecting to the world. An evaluation of what you and I are projecting to the world. Now, this study I've called A Country in Chaos. In light of everything that's happening in our country, everything, and and I don't even need to go into excruciating detail of what's happening in our country, but in light of everything, do you think more than ever it's important for you and I, as born-again disciples of Jesus, to be projecting Christ-like attitudes and actions? This is what this story offers you and I today. So let's break it down a little bit. An evaluation of what we are projecting to the the world. I'm going to take what she heard and project it onto us. When it comes to fame, she heard of his fame, right? Fame, the definition of fame is very simple. To be known or talked about. A lot of people in our world love fame, right? To be known and to be talked about. I personally despise it. You see me on Facebook with Pallets of Love and on on live. You got to know that I'm the number one person to drag my feet with any of it. How many of you saw me on Channel 8 the other night? Oh my goodness, Lord help me. I told the guy, I said, I hate this more than anything. But some people love it. They thrive it. They, they, they just love to be known and to be recognized for all those things. I, everything I do, anytime I'm on there, before I do anything, I take a deep breath and say, Lord, may what I do and say in the next few minutes bring you glory and edify others. Amen. Okay? But fame, this encounter, when it comes to fame, fame, the question for you and I are, is this, is what are you known for? What are you known for? Your fame or his fame? You see, his fame looks like this in Mark chapter 5 verse, or Mark chapter 9 verse 35. It says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. That's what fame looks like in God's eye, eyes. When, when we focus on, on his fame, glorifying Jesus in our lives, hopefully people hear about our willingness to serve others. A heart to serve and not be served, right? That's the fame to be Christ-like. That's what we should be projecting for others to do. Now, I, I'm far from perfect in doing this. And I know uh, some of you may be better at it, but it's something that we grow in, right? To put others first, to deny ourselves, right? And put others first. Proverbs 27 verses 1 and 2. I love this. It says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you, let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. So be humble and serve and others will see because you're glorifying God and edifying others. Others will see and, and praise you. Uh, it's maybe the fame you're looking for or not. That's not the point. But the praise will come from them because you're serving others in humility. Amen. So what are we projecting? Your fame or His fame. Now the other one thing that, that says uh, she saw was his relation to the name of the Lord. So when it comes to the relation of the name of the Lord, hopefully what people see us projecting, right? Hopefully, hopefully they don't hear a lot of I statements. I did this. I did that. I am doing this, etc., right? Hopefully they hear this statement more often than not, Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Some of you are going to recognize these words. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. It was just in time. I'm going to praise his name. Each day he's just the same. Come on and praise his name. Look what the Lord has done. People need to hear that in our words. How many of you guys love that song? That's a worship song by Karen Wheaton. Uh, I didn't write those words. I tried to sing it. Now you know why I don't sing. But see, look what the Lord has done. Do they hear that? Do they hear the name of the Lord in, in our speech? Look what the Lord has done. Lord willing, I will do this. Look what the Lord's doing in my life. Give him glory first. What do they hear? Our world likes to project a lot of I statements. (laughs) One of the first things, I'm going to be a little vulnerable. Years and years ago, Cindy and I have been married for 28 years, so way back, way back in the day uh, when we first got married, uh, how many of you know we had a a few married issues? Uh, It's something about when you put two people together, it's always a little conflict. I can't figure that out. But we had a, we had a, some, some we weren't born again believers yet we had some issues and, and we were seeking uh, uh, some outside counseling be, you know became believers and we were seeking some counseling and, and one of the things that's so simple that I learned uh, from that is is you don't use the I statements especially when you're in a fight. Or excuse me, you don't use the you statements, especially when you're in a fight. You use the I statements, so you, you, you can flip it in that sense, but you don't use the you statements and blame You did this, you did that. You own up to your mistakes, right? But it's the same with when we're serving the Lord. We, we don't want to put the fame and everything on us. Look, look, I could easily say, you know, I really did a great job setting up those truckloads that are coming in next week. I'm really proud of myself. I sure hope I can hand it all out by myself. I sure hope I can do this or that. But you see, it's not, a, it's not about me. That's a, that's a cheesy illustration. But the point is, it's about we. Look what we are doing because look what the Lord is doing through us. It's bigger than any of us. Look what the Lord has done. And my point, do people hear you praise him? Do they hear your relationship with him? The next one, when it comes to achievements, she, she said, I, I heard and now I see all of your achievements. What do people hear about you with your achievements? Now, please understand, there is nothing wrong with setting and achieving goals in life, right? Amen? That's great. We should, God put a desire in our hearts. We should strive to be all that God has called us to be as long as they don't uh, dominate our life and God is first, right? So there's nothing wrong with having goals, achievement, like moving up the corporate ladder, whatever that looks like, owning a nice home. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, But what is more important is setting and achieving goals that matter for eternity. Did you hear me? More important is setting and achieving goals that matter for eternity. What do people see you achieving for the kingdom of God? What do they see you achieving for the kingdom of God? It's not about works and that is not what I'm talking about today. It's not about works. So don't, don't try to say, well, I need to work more and do more so people will see my achievements for God because I'm such a great worker. <laughs> so it's, it's not about work. I don't want you to, to pin that on what, I, what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about what are you doing with your God-given gifts and abilities to make a difference In the world as you glorify God and edify others. Are you involved in in some sort of ministry? Ministering to people, not performing works. Ministering to people, not performing works. What you do for people out of joy will will, will project out into a hurting world. What you do for people... What you do for people out of joy will project out into a hurting world. Are we living in a hurting world right now? So what we do for people out of joy, not out of works, not out of look what I can do, but just out of the joy of helping people is what we need to project. You see, this is what people need to hear about. Especially in such a time as this. And then when it comes to wisdom and wealth. When it comes to wisdom and wealth. She heard about those things. She went to see about those things. She was overwhelmed when she saw the wisdom and the wealth and all the achievements. Wisdom and wealth. How does, how does, that, how does that work for us? We are projecting. What are we projecting in the world in the forms of wisdom and wealth? Now I'm not talking uh, about uh, the five-fold ministry things here. I'm not talking uh, about, uh, you know, what do they call that? Um uh, I shouldn't even say it, but I can't even think of it anyway, so we won't, we won't go there. I'm talking uh, about, when I'm talking about this, this wealth, does it mean we're all supposed to be wealthy? If, if I tithe today, I'm going to, because the Bible says to test God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe today, and I'm going to test God, and I'm going to tithe because He's going to give it back to me tenfold. If He doesn't, I'm never going to tithe again. Is that, that's not what we're talking about. We, what are we projecting to the world when it comes to wisdom and wealth? God gives wisdom to those who ask. Did you know you go to the greatest colleges in the world, you can be in college your whole life and gain all the the knowledge you can gain but still lack wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is knowing when to use your knowledge. A lot of people on Facebook today have a lot of knowledge they want to share, but they sure don't have the wisdom in when to share it or how to share it. Think about that. Think about that. Wisdom. Is this really going to help that person if I share this right now? Or maybe I should just keep it to myself. Wisdom. The Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously. Gives what? Generously. To all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. You see, the closer you walk with God, the more wisdom you have. Think about that. The closer you walk with God, the more wisdom you have. The more you open your Bible and read and pray, the more wisdom you gain. The more wisdom you have. The more wisdom you have, the more wealth you will have. The more wisdom you have, the more godly wisdom you will have, the more wealth you will have because you will come to understand these words from Jesus in a deeper way. He said, do not store up yourselves treasures on earth. That is earthly wealth. Do not store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. See, there's a difference. You can be the poorest person in the world as far as material possessions go, but you can be the richest person in the world as far as your eternal heavenly blessings and treasures are, because if you're storing up, if you're winning souls, if you're speaking to G- people about Jesus, right, if you're doing that and, and you're filling up heaven because of your testimony and what God's doing in your life, you're the richest person on earth. Amen. Because you are a pilgrim, the Bible says. You are passing through. This is not our home. Gail, okay, I'll have you come up if you would, please. You see, here's here's the bottom line when you read that scripture of what Jesus says. You want me to tell you what your treasure is right now? Right now. Right now, as you sit right where you are, this is what your treasure is. People. I want you to think about this. People are your treasure. The people we love and share our faith journey with. They are our treasure. I want you to think about it. Don't think too hard when I say this, but I want you to think about it. Naked you came into this world and naked you will leave. The only thing, according to the word of God, the only thing that will come with you is your relationships. That's the only thing that's going to be familiar. I want you to think about this. It's the only Thing that is going to be familiar to you and I when we get to heaven outside of knowing Jesus, right? We're going to be familiar with that and what the God says. But nothing else. No eye has seen or ear has heard for what he has store for those who love him. So when you get to heaven, you're not going to recognize everything. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be blown away. But one thing you're going to recognize is are people, relationships that you built here because they're going to be there. So how many of you think that's one treasure we need to be building up so we have those relationships in heaven? That's what it's all about. It's so simple, isn't it, when you think about it? But yes, it's hard because we're here. We're in this fleshly body, right? We have needs. We have to have things to survive. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, is where is your treasure? Where are you storing up your eternal treasures? Is it material things or is it the relationships you are building through the foundation of the relationship you have with Jesus. See, your relationship with Jesus is the foundation first. You're building that. You're growing that. And because of that, you're sharing your faith with Jesus, right? You're sharing the gospel message with people. And you're building those relationships. Years ago, I was at a church. Man, over 20 years now. In Napa. And there was a couple there They passed away. Gone on to be with the Lord. Great, precious people of the Lord. Orville and Rosie Wall. And they drove a bus every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning. We had school buses and we had a couple of them and we tried to keep them running. Poor Orville would always try to keep one running off the other. And they would drive that school bus around the Nampa area. They would build relationships with these families. Mom and Dad didn't want to go to church. Some of these kids came out of gang members, all kinds of really tough situations. Little kids to big kids. They would drive this bus around and they would pick up these kids. They would build relationships. They would bring them to church. The bus would pull up and a lot of people was like, oh, the bus kids are here. Some people were excited. Some people were a little nervous. There are no parents. Some of them hadn't eaten. Some of them didn't smell so well. But Rosie and Orville Wall went to get those kids every week. And one day somebody asks, Orville, why, why, why do you do it? We know you love them, but outside of that, why, why do you do it? And I'll never forget what he said. When I get to heaven, I want to see that bus pull up with all those kids that have come to know about Jesus because of our humble act of obedience just to drive a bus. He said, I want to take a busload of kids to heaven. I want to take a busload of kids to heaven. I want to share my faith. I, I want to make a difference in their life. I think Orville had it right. Once again, Queen Sheba, she heard some things. So she put her life on hold so to speak, and went on a journey to see if what she heard was true. And as we saw, she, she was overwhelmed. Can I challenge each of you this morning to live in such a way, to live in such a way that you will cause people to put their lives on hold because of what they may hear about your faith? Think about it. And when they they see your servant's heart, your relationship with Jesus, your achievements for the kingdom, and the godly wisdom and heavenly riches being stored up, may they too be overwhelmed, as Queen Sheba was with King Solomon. But may they be overwhelmed of what they not only hear, but see in your life. Can I challenge, can I challenge each of you this morning to live in such a way that you will will cause people to put their lives on hold, so to speak, because of what they may hear about your faith. You see, that's what we can take away from this story. What are we projecting to our world right now in such a time as this, we all know the election's coming. We all, we all know, we all, you can sense it. It's like you can almost cut it in the air right now. We, we all know that we are so divided. We all know that, that something doesn't seem right. It, it just feels so out of place with everything that's, that's happening. We, we all sense and feel it. So let's project these Christ like things to a world and do all we can do to fill a bus for Jesus. Amen? Father, I thank you for our time today. I thank you that you are our Lord and Savior, that we don't model our life after King Solomon, but we go after and model our life after our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who knew no sin, who laid down his perfect life as a sacrifice once and for all for the forgiveness of our sins. And I pray we all acknowledge this first in our life. And if we're here today and we don't know that, I pray today would be the day that that person watching or here would accept you as Lord of their life. And for us, God, help us to do the best we can. We know we're not going to be perfect. But, Lord, help us to project what the world needs to see and hear as born-again disciples of Jesus. Challenge us, Holy Spirit. Speak to each one of us throughout the week. Challenge us with this high calling. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I pray it made sense today. I've been up since three. I couldn't sleep. (laughs) You never know what you're going to get when you come to the Bridge Church. God bless you guys.